0: Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show, Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter.
1: Welcome, one and all, to Dice Company, where a group of friends weave tales of triumph, heroism, and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom, and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this party of nightmare-fueled madmen. Nightmare-fueled madmen, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters.
2: Hi, I'm Harry, and I'm playing Tok, a six-foot-eight automaton. My fact is, automatons do not sleep, even magic can't put them to sleep. As such, Toc has recently experienced his very first dream, so given reasonable estimates for the population of Alestia, distribution and number of sentence automata, occurrence rate of Rojan reckonings, the possibility that Tok is the first artificial life form ever to dream is found to be within reasonable bounds. It is an experience that has inspired both great curiosity and also great alarm. <laughs> <laughs> alarm.
1: Right, shut it down. No one's stopping that. <laughs> <laughs> Man,
3: I I I wrote
2: that down at 2 a.m. last night. I was
3: like, I've got (laughs) a yes, that's not even a punch line, that's a punch word.
1: (laughs) Goodness me, absolutely phenomenal.
3: Uh, Hello, I'm Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. And my fun fact about Vander this week takes us back to his time, unfortunately, in his tortured years. During his time being tortured, Vander did break as a human. In the torture chambers where he existed for a time, there were rules and one of them was no speaking, so you couldn't converse with other prisoners. In one of his darkest moments, though, a hand reached through the cell next door. You couldn't see the owner of the hand, but he was able to grip the hand and this simple gesture of human kindness sustained him at one of the darkest moments in his life. He now remembers that hand as being one of the greatest friends he's ever known for the comfort it provided him, but he never got the name of the person. Only the ring on the hand, and on that ring was the insignia of a heron.
1: I was... Really lovely.
2: And you were worried about following my. My <laughs> well, God! Mine
3: was spontaneous. Your yours, yours is deep and actually, you know what? I'm, I'm danger of uh, praising you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut it down. <laughs> so <laughs> it is an abusive circle of friends.
4: Bander has never noticed that he wears a heron ring on his own <laughs> left hand. <laughs> I am my
1: own best friend. <laughs> the circle is complete.
2: You missed it by about ten minutes, but Charlie was earlier laughing to a YouTube video of me being beaten up. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) it is
3: on youtube though you literally anytime you're feeling down i mean someone immediately send that to me and cancel this recording because i must see it it's already linked in the chat does he not prepare a dodge action (laughs) (laughs) i am alex and i'm playing augustus when augustus was 16 he was sent away from his native Denothlia to the northern realm of Lumatorn for education he excelled there and made lots of friends and was enjoying life away from his his parents and his family as a rebellious teenager. But due to a change of circumstances back home that was unknown to Augustus at the time, Donothelian guards arrived in his dormitory in the middle of the night and essentially kidnapped him and took him under guard
1: home. Very nice. I like it. It's good. It's kind of... Law and interesting and developing the world in which you're existing
3: i'm a little bit disappointed that the fourth wall didn't take another pasting
4: (laughs) (laughs) hello i am dave and i am playing benny quez and um benny doesn't have a lot of possessions he's not someone who's ever owned a great deal of material objects but one item he does own and has, has always owned and can't quite remember where it's come from but he has a an old uh bronze ring with a green stone in it alas it does not have a heron insignia he's always had this ring and somehow whenever time's been really tight and he's been pawning stuff off he's always managed to find a way to to not get rid of it and um when he's nervous he he twists it in his hand and, and kind of toys with it
1: i like it i like the fake out that it might have had a heron emblem <laughs> on it
3: and they didn't I thought that was I thought that was the ultimate poacher's <laughs> fact. Yeah. Coming in there. But
1: <laughs> you look closely, the heron's
3: eating an apricot in that
1: picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was superb, and you know what time it is? Fan mail time. Oh, really? Yes. This time we have. Two pieces of fan mail.
3: Your mum and your dad. Does this prove we've got two fans or one fan that's written two complaints?
1: Well, let's find out. Okay. And let's see if these are a little less critical than the last time. The first comes from Steve from Bermondsey, who writes Good afternoon, team. And I use that word incorrectly. It's long been established that tock is a sweetheart. However, I must take issue with his claims of having studied his history and learnt about the consumption of reindeer urine and mushrooms. I know for a fact that he actually learned about it by watching the middling television show Fortitude starring Richard Dormer. I, of course, speak of season two, episode four, where this information is passed to the audience by the main characters actually performing this action. So what I want to know is, when is he going to come clean and admit that he learns from television just like the rest of us? Hashtag Toc's a liar.
3: (laughs) Toc is not a sweetheart. Toc, you're a post. Knew it was hate mail.
2: I, uh, I can tell you this. I
4: actually haven't watched Fortitude.
1: That's a likely story.
4: How could Toc have watched Fortitude? This is fourth wall breaking.
1: Very popular in Athlon.
3: As he seen
4: life with <laughs> Damien Lewis? <laughs> <laughs>
1: As is Richard Dormer, he's, he's held up as some kind of icon of Alestia. So you are maintaining that you read it in a book like someone in the Victorian era?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to remember what book it was. I think it's on the shelf behind me. I can go yeah. find it for a sec if you want. Oh my God, know you know what? Is.
1: Don't, don't.
2: I realise this is a
3: <laughs> podcast, but let's not throw too much shade at books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a, a weird fight
2: to pick. Uh, books.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, of course, uh, we love books. Yay books. Yeah, all books. 100%.
2: It was, it was either It was either Sacred Mushroom and the Cross or the Immortality Key. It was one of the two of those, I think.
3: Nice. Is it possible that the creator of Blah with Blah, I can't remember what that thing was called.
1: Altitude with Richard Dormer. That's the badger.
3: Al's memory <laughs> is a steel <laughs> trap. <Yeah>. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Ship parts, book titles. All it all goes in. Yep. Um, yeah, it all goes in and nothing ever comes out. Uh, it's all in there, though. Is it possible that... Harry and Richard Dormer both read the same book and both brought it into their creative endeavours.
1: Seems like a huge coincidence, really. Um,
3: it does, yeah. I'm with
1: Steve here. Yeah, I'm definitely
4: <laughs> Do we Do we know who Steve from Bermondsey is, by the way?
1: Uh, Steve from Bermondsey is a loyal listener of ours.
4: Hero. Not just a listener. Almost liked him. Love
3: Bermondsey. Feels like an arcana check, you know, where you get like, roll <laughs> a 20 and then you get the same information fired
2: back at you.
1: And the second... And last letter
2: Ever. comes
1: to us from Andrew <laughs> in Fleet. Oh. Andrew in Fleet says, Love the show, especially the last episode. My question relates to Augustus. Why is he so tediously empathetic? I'll hang up and listen. Tediously empathetic?
3: I, I would have left it just at tedious. <laughs> I don't know why I threw in empathetic. <laughs> I mean, Augustus might very well be tedious. I mean, I guess. Is he referring to the thing where Augustus was very keen to save the children?
2: Almost certainly. Just the contrast with Vanda, really, isn't it? It just makes everyone else look better. Yeah, I've got two points to make there.
3: One, you didn't help those children. How have we not revisited this subject? You, you end up. You, there's this whole spiel about you being for the kids and save the kids and everything else, right? And then you just ship them off. You leave them with a the stranger. It's not, there's not, there's no, there's no satisfactory end to that. I think it's just a, just a terrible scene for you. And I I don't think you fully morally justified your actions, if I'm honest. I should have left <laughs> <I mean, laughs> that. As far as I'm concerned, we left them with the only nice old lady in this entire world, which is quite...
1: Poor old Rosalind. Jesus Christ, the shade <laughs> being thrown at her. Week after, I that would wa- not call Rosalind <laughs> old. Amen. She is oh, young nice. and
3: full of vigour. Um, and also, tortoises? What the... Fuck am I saying that those shell animals, but not the snails, the ones with legs. Portals. Tortals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Should we just Live call it a day? Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah.
3: Thank you, uh, Andy and Fleet. I like the fact he said I like the episodes, especially the last one. Is that like a subtle, like, I hope this was the last
1: episode? <laughs> was well, I don't know this Andy from Fleet, but if I did know him.
4: <laughs> I think it was Andrew from Fleet. You're just assuming he likes to be called Andy.
1: I'm sure he doesn't, actually. So that kind of thing that might irritate Andrew
4: for
1: a few.
3: Sounds like a real jerk.
1: Uh, so thank you, Steve and Andrew, for pointing out those problems with our podcast.
3: Benny and Vander Escape. You're
4: the one that's always asking for feedback. You can't complain when you get it. Well, you can. No, that's British culture. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: well, there we go. Let's get on with the next chapter of Dice Company. We left off last time with everyone aboard the Stirling having their own minds turned against them by Benny. Experiencing their worst nightmares, it wasn't until Benny began to fight back that they were freed from the mental assault. Gathering around Benny's bed while he fought for his life, Vanda recognised the strange fits as the Reckoning, something which all new Rojans have to go through before they start their training. After a ribbon of blue energy burst from Benny, he awoke to the smiling faces of his crewmates. Confused and angry about the attention, he kicked them out of his room to gather his thoughts. A week has passed. During that time, the torrential weather has given way to clear blue skies and pleasant warmth. Benny has done everything in his power to avoid Vanda, locking himself in his room and poring over his books, only leaving to gather food supplies from Rosalind and taking Lenny for walks. Vander has been slow on taking the hint, leaving books about the Rojan outside Benny's door. But as the week has progressed, he's taken the hint finally and has switched his focus to overseeing the repairs to the Sterling. Tark has been locked away in his workshop most days, leaving the rest of the crew to listen to the bangs and crashes coming from within, only appearing to spend the occasional night watching the stars. Augustus has been writing in his journal, puzzling over his small stone and trekking outside to sleep in a tent of an evening for fear of more nightmares. Despite a couple of nights of minor nightmares, they do not appear to have happened since. On the morning of the 11th of Gladden, nine days before the summer solstice, Benny receives a knock at the door, followed by the familiar voice of Augustus. Benny, are you awake?
4: Yep. Uh, I am awake. What can I do you for?
1: Sorry to disturb. I have a small matter
3: I'd like to discuss with the crew.
4: You want me to come somewhere or what, what's going on?
3: Uh, I believe the poop deck is the traditional place. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Oh, All i right. right. I'll, uh, I'll meet you there. Yes. Thank you, Benny. No problem.
3: Knock, knock. And, uh... Hello, Vander.
4: Ah, Augustus.
3: Uh, Vander, I'm uh, gathering the crew. I have a matter I wish to discuss. Vander looks up from the maps he's been poring over. Certainly. I assume this will take place on the poop deck. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my cane. Wonderful. Knock,
2: knock, Toc. Toc's not going to open the door, but you'll hear him say, uh, the door is unfastened. Augustus
3: walks in and says, "Toc, I wonder if I might borrow a moment of your time, and then immediately realises that that's not how you should speak to Toc. <laughs> Sorry, Toc. Toc, would you mind joining us on the poop deck? I have a
2: matter I wish to discuss with the crew. Indeed, although I am at a critical juncture.
3: That's all right, my my dear fellow. Take a moment, and when a, when a good moment presents itself, do join us.
2: I find it appropriate that you are present for this. I do not know why. I lack sufficient data." As Augustus is looking into the room, you can see that Tick, the, his um, duplicate, is uh, standing on one side. The whole body, the whole Tomlinson is out. It's in like a, a harness that's so being sort of suspended on one side of the workshop. The Reconstruction to his head looks basically complete. Standing next to him, with his back facing facing you, is uh, the automaton Plex, uh, who currently has his um, cranial plate open and his brain exposed. And Toc will say um, say to Augustus, My preparations are complete. Only one placement of a crystal is left.
3: That sounds exciting, Toc. Why is Plex's head open? I fear you might incur Vander's considerable wrath were he to see this.
2: He is providing assistance. Vanda agreed.
3: Are you merely copying, using it as a guide? Oh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Toc punches Plex's (laughs) open head.
2: (laughs) Plex is providing assistance. Of what sort? As I investigate brain regions, he is providing critical feedback. It is crucial to the reconstruction. Toc will demonstrate. He'll walk over to duplex and he's taking out a very fine tool which he um, inserts into of cranial cavity and makes a small adjustment and uh to Plex. which memory location does this affect
1: uh, his his right arm will begin to shake long term memories well this looks like something i don't want to
3: be caught witnessing Tok, uh, well, when you reach a suitable stop, I'm very excited to uh, meet Tick if he's about to join us. However, when you reach a suitable stopping point, please do join us on the poop deck. Indeed. And then Augustus scuttles away so Vanda doesn't catch him here.
2: As as he's leaving, Tok will say, I estimate five minutes. Perfect.
1: Thank you, Tock. So, Augustus, you head back to the poop deck uh, where Vanda and Benny and Lenny have already gathered. It's a nice sunny morning, and as you step onto the poop deck, you can hear the cawing of a raven <sighs> who is sat atop the main stick.
3: Gentlemen, sorry to uh, keep you waiting, but Tock tells me he will be about five minutes before he joins us.
4: What, what are we doing then, Augustus? Have we, have we been insufficiently deferential and you want to... Uh... Bring it to the crew's attention or something like that.
3: That wasn't what I intended to discuss, but actually now you mention it, I have a series of comments on that front.
4: <laughs> oh, Benny,
3: how are you?
4: Vander, who's... <laughs> Very well, thanks, Vander. Just as well as I was when you knocked on my door this morning, and just as well as I was when you knocked on my door last night, and just as well as I was when you knocked on my door the morning before that. I Healthy, good,
3: good. No more night terrors, I take it. No, all well, thank you. I've been thinking of some nicknames for you.
4: Oh, yeah. How do you feel about... Oh, no. uh, Sorry. When I say, oh, yeah, that was just instinctively polite. I don't actually want to hear them. Sorry.
3: Not the right time, I quite understand.
4: No, never will be.
3: Vander grins toothily, assuming that this will be ingratiating. (laughs) I say toothily. I mean, that's wild, wild exaggeration. (laughs) All three teeth are on display. (laughs) The full length of all three teeth are there. 100%
2: tooth.
4: What a delight.
2: Yeah. After five minutes or so, Toc will walk onto the poop deck, followed by an identical copy of Toc. As he walks in, he will say, uh, crewmates, this is Tick. Tick, these are Augustus, Vander and Benny and Lenny
4: the dog.
1: Oh my, by the gods. Tick raises a hand, try
4: to catch the eye of the other shipmate to see what everyone's response is.
3: Banda's face mixed yeah reads a mixed emotion there of glee and apprehension in a, in a sense, yeah. Augustus is flat stunned. He'd sort of begun to assume that Tick was just staying in the bag forever. And also even in that conversation before his mind was elsewhere and now he's confronted with Tick. He has no idea what to make of it. Band will hobble forward. A pleasure to meet you, Tick. And extends an old hand.
1: Tick grabs your hand and squeezes it incredibly powerfully. Vander stiffens. And he nods his head curtly.
2: I gently try to extract my hand. He doesn't let go. Um, Tok will intervene and say, uh, Caution, Tick. That one is injured. You must be gentle.
1: Tick looks at Tok and lets go. And then in a kind of show of apology, heavily pats Vander on the arm. And am I, am I, am I, fall, have I fallen over or am I? <laughs> no, you just, you stagger slightly to one side under the impact of the hit.
3: I look at my hand to check that it's still there.
1: <laughs> it is still there. It's very red, though, and very sore. That's quite the uh, handshake you have there, Tick. Uh, maybe not do that again. Tick looks at Tock.
4: Tock looks confused. So, Tock, um, do we need to kind of introduce ourselves to Tick? Do you, have you, have you, Told Tick about us, or does Tick somehow have your memories so he, he he knows what we what we've kind of been up to? What what how, how does it work?
2: Tick is a separate individual. He does not possess my memories. I have introduced you to Tick. He knows has insufficient data.
4: Yeah, insufficient data covers it pretty well, doesn't it? Uh, um. Anyway, hiya hiya Tick. Uh, nice to meet you. Um. Um. I'm Benny. I won't shake your hand because it looks like it hurts, but you know, hiya.
3: Tock, am I to assume that Tick, being the teacher of the pair of you, does himself have those
2: memories still? I have insufficient data, the healing process. It will take some time for new circuits to regrow within his brain.
3: Regrow, Vanda says questioningly.
2: Indeed. It is not a process that I have experience of. I believe it will take some time. And
5: Tick has the
3: same physicality as yourself, I understand? Same strength, the same sentience?
2: Indeed, I am an exact, given approximations of small errors, and I'm an exact copy of Tick.
3: Interesting, says so Vander, backing away a little, making sure he's outside of Tick's fighting arc.
4: Does Tick have the same personality as as you? Negative. He has a distinct personality. So you're just an exact copy physically, not not in every way. Indeed. Okay, okay.
1: Tick puts one thumb up.
3: Should we assume, Tock, that
2: Tick does not speak? He has not spoken yet. Speech was a capability previously before the damage. It will be a capability once... He has regrown.
3: I believe the question of what makes Tick, Tick, is still a fairly open one.
2: Indeed, there are many unknowns in the process. Augustus, I believe you summoned me here for a reason.
3: Yes, that's correct, Toc. My timing now seems somewhat odd in light of the momentous return of Tick. Oh, please, Augustus. Why are we here? Another deep philosophical question along with what makes Tick, Tick. Gentlemen... It is traditional in people of my order and class, looks at Benny. Ooh, la, la. To, (laughs) to take an oath at a certain point between the, the end of childhood and the beginning of adulthood. Now I'm somewhat late to do that, but until this point in my life, it has not felt clear to me what oath to take, what path to take. And though I've often expressed my reservations about each of you, but except not you talk, but obviously. In your company and on our adventures, I begin to see the path before me for the first time. And so I wish to take my oath. And if you'll permit me, I wish you all to witness it.
2: I find that to be acceptable.
3: Momentous occasion. Summons Otis and whispers into his ear before asking Otis to scuttle off. Does Vander want to be out of his head
4: for this? Yes, Vander. Bring me my, I don't know what culture's robes. <laughs> <laughs> It's a big day all round. So um what 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 does this entail then Augustus what what you got to do?
3: I merely have to speak the words. However, I feel it would be better to have my feet on solid ground and I see a a rock down there on the shoreline which would be a good place for me to stand and and speak the words.
4: All right. Um is there is there more ceremony to it or are we we're we just off?
3: I think we're off perhaps in a different place in a different time there would be far more c- ceremony. However, Given our circumstances, it seems best simply to deliver the oath and then go about upholding it.
4: And just, just out of curiosity, what, what is the path that you see before you that's become a bit clearer? Because it's, it's pretty foggy to me and I'm, I'm curious.
3: Well, Benny, I came to this continent on a mission of information, but also, depending on what I found, with certain priorities in mind. However, I wasn't, i as I say, I've been late to make the jump in the stages of life that I described to Vander, between boyhood and becoming the idealistic young man. But now, in light of our experiences, and indeed of your reckoning, if Vander's understanding of that situation is correct,
4: well, let's not, let's not assume that.
3: However, Vanda does seem to be someone who might know whether that is or is not correct. In light of all that, I think I see what my oath must be. And in the words of the oath, you will discover a little
4: more. I chuckle and say, you know what, Augustus? I knew you weren't in that warehouse looking for a fine wine.
3: Fine wine as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for a fine wine, Benny.
4: Yeah, I think you might have come to the wrong place.
3: Yes, I feel like we've sailed consistently away from fine wines. Evander <laughs> has scuttled off to his abode momentarily.
4: Oh, I've got some lovely soup, so it all balances itself out. <laughs> yeah.
3: Augustus, somewhat sheepishly, feeling that the the moment has been not not sullied, but he, you know, the the morning hasn't gone quite as he expected with the revelation of Tick and Vanda going off to dress as some sort of chieftain. Augustus strides down the ramp and goes to the, the rock that he selected, but doesn't climb onto it yet because he wants the assembled, <laughs> adoring masses ready before he does.
2: Toc and, uh, and Tick will both uh, both follow along and uh, wait at the, the base of the rock.
4: Yeah, Benny's coming too. He's it's quite, it's quite curious about the whole thing.
2: Is Lenny coming?
4: No, in a... Surprising conciliatory gesture. Benny tells Lenny to stay on the ship.
3: So Benny's not Lenny's not lying in your room with his brain open, having been experimented on um, <laughs> in some wondering if there's a barking theme. and suddenly <laughs> realize we don't know where Lenny is. <laughs> <laughs> Vander re-emerges from his cabin. He is in full ceremonial robes and makes his scuttles essentially down the gangway. Otis appears and Vander says, No, not the pipes. The French horn! Of course the French horn! The plex, two horns. And then wanders down to the ceremonial site. Yes, Vander? Vander's taken on a very regal air. Oh, Augustus, charmed. Charmed. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you for joining us, Vander. A pleasure! What an occasion this is. Augustus actually removes his fine jacket. So he's wearing a simple shirt and trousers, and he ascends the rock i want to say vander doesn't aside to benny fashion wise a mistake i believe augustus stands on the rock and looks over the heads of the crowd assuming even with the rock's help he can look over tick and tocks heads
1: and with augustus on the rock his eyes on his friends he holds the stone in his hand and then looks up to the heavens to begin his oath
3: i vow to make good the wrongs of the past Denothlia failed in the war with salazar leaving millions to suffer under his rule. But our weakness ran far deeper. Like all decadent rulers, we arrogantly assumed the status quo would last forever. We saw the light, but too late. I come not to reclaim these lands, but to free them of the blight we brought upon them. By mighty Tyr, God of courage and self-sacrifice, I vow to rid Athelon of the Emperor Salazar and any who uphold him. By my hand, Donothnia will claim redemption, and a new day will dawn.
1: Having finished your oath, you feel a sudden warmth rising within you, and a bright light from above illuminates you. Unseen and unheard by your companions, a voice from the heavens speaks. Your oath is forged in the light of my grace. The path is set and you will stop the tyranny of the Champion of Kael and, above all else, protect those with whom you travel. It will not be easy. They will lead you down darkened paths, beset with darkened deeds. But you must learn to trust in them, understand them, and help those who you can, smite those you cannot. Through my Divine Majesty, you shall succeed. So arise now, Augustus. Champion of Tear.
3: For the moment, Vanda frantically gestures for music to play at the culmination of the oath.
1: And Otis begins playing a French horn medley. What a time to be alive, Benny,
3: says Vanda kindly.
1: And as you say that, Vanda, you look across the landscape and you see a figure running towards you. The figure is waving his hands in the air and shouting, but he's far enough that you can't quite make him out. Gentlemen
3: to arms. I gesture at the running figure still a distance off.
1: The figure gets closer and closer and you begin to hear him shouting.
5: Mustang! Help me! (laughs)
1: Come join us, Scotty! Oh my god! Hello!
5: (laughs) (laughs) What a reveal! Hello! Hello
1: boys! Our first guest star, please describe what the others see.
5: You see a large barrel-chested individual running across the plains at you. He's wearing half-plate armour, brown leather adventurer's clothing, and he has two swords... One across his left shoulder and one hanging at his left hip. And he is running full pelt towards you, being chased by mean and nasty bounders. And he shouts, I am Bartle Schultz. I could be wrong, Benny.
4: Leans
3: Vander. That
5: looks rather like
3: Bartle Schultz, no?
4: I reckon (laughs) you might be onto something there, Vander. He is Bartle Schultz. That's a classic talkism.
3: Probably not time for the French horn, then. A gesture at Otis. Yes, founder. What instrument do you think would be appropriate for this? <laughs> Some sort of chase music.
1: <laughs> Behind the rather good-looking, long-haired and bearded gentleman who's charging towards you, calling for Mustang, you see a group of bounders. Led by a captain, being followed by a what appears to be a bald woman in long black robes, with tattoos across her face. Roll initiative.
2: It's okay. Top got a twenty-one. I have rolled my
3: second minus one of the campaign.
2: Oh, I thought my five was bad. Vanda
3: with a twelve, a natural one for initiative. So, uh, having exhausted himself giving his oath, Augustus just melts like an overheated marshmallow into a puddle. I I feel like you may have sworn to the wrong god. (laughs) Yeah, I should have sworn to the god of still having bones. Sworn allegiance to the god of tits and
4: wine. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that was an option. Just rolled a four. Welcome aboard, you'll fit right in.
1: Talk. Top of the round,
2: Tok is going to uh, to move to the front to make a defensive screen for the rest of them, rest of the party, and Tick will follow.
1: Tok and Tick moving in unison surround Bardel Schultz and give him protection.
2: Tok and Tick will both draw swords, identical looking swords, and uh, carry shields, and they're both going to prepare an attack for when the Bounders approach the party.
1: The captain is going to run to there, and he's going to draw two knives. And he's going to throw one at Tock and one at Tick. First at Tock.
2: Okay, uh, he will get disadvantage on the throw because Tick will interpose his shield in the way, protecting him using deflect attack. Sixteen is a miss. <laughs> Nineteen would have been a hit though.
1: Brilliant. Uh, and now he's going to do the uh, throw the other one at Tick. Seven.
2: <laughs> uh, that is definitely a miss. That's so <laughs> not even much. on his shield. Just wildly throws past it.
1: Uh, yeah. So he he throws two knives, one at Tok, one at Tick, and Tick is able to move quickly to block the attack against Tok. You hear it clatter off of the shield. Nice defensive work by the new guy. The bald woman in black robes with face tattoos slowly walks forward and raises a hand towards Tok. Tok, can I have a wisdom saving throw, please?
2: I'd prefer if you didn't. Tok's going to use his uh, inspiration on this one, since he's still got it, because I think this is probably not one I want to fail. A two and a natural 20.
1: As she raises her hands, two glowing handcuffs appear around your hands, and you look at them, and they break and fall away. You see a flicker of irritation in her eyes.
2: Your magic is weak, Shadow Vanguard. Hello. That's right. Trash talk. Time for that.
1: Fighting
3: talk. Like informative trash talk that trash talk they like. Augustus gets a little book out and writes the word Shadow
1: Vanguard then. <laughs> the three bounders all rush to support their fellows. And they pull out light crossbows. Uh. And they aim them all at Toc. <laughs> uh, so the first fires and it just misses over his shoulder. The second scuds into the ground before it reaches him. And the third flies way over his head, over the entire party and off into the distance.
5: You idiots, the woman says. Um, none of those were the gentlemen I was running from, by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the scary one with the uh, the hood and the glowing tattoos. Yes,
5: that? um, the scary one. The one with the face tattoos. <laughs> Augustus thinks he's going to like this guy.
3: Uh, Vander, uh, I'm going to hobble. Pastor Otis, stick by me, Otis, as I make my way. A pleasure to meet you, Mr. Schultz. I leer, don't mind me, as I extend my hand past him and cast grease on the intersecting square between the two guards and the shadowed figure. (laughs) Nicely done. I've played checkers before.
1: Okay, so the captain, 21. Stop it. Uh, The shadowy woman, 10. That's a fail. And the bog-standard bounder, seven. Vander leans past Bardel and a glob of grease fires out of his hand into the area between that intersects the three figures. The bald woman, so imposing and imperious as she walked towards them, slips and lands on her backside, as does one of the bounders. The captain, however, manages to maintain his
4: footing. Bellicueur! Seeing that the Shadow Vanguard is prone, Benny is going to take the opportunity to fire an arrow at her. It's going to be a poison arrow as well.
1: A poison? Oh, nice. You guys are lovely. It's just a shame she's awake, right? (laughs) 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 uh,
4: 25.
1: Is obviously a hit. Roll for damage.
4: So, uh, 9 piercing, plus a saving throw to avoid being pinned.
1: I'm sure this is going to go as well as the last one. I'm not Dr. Sigmund, but
3: I would describe that as very poisoned.
4: 21.
1: Benny draws a poisoned arrow. Oh, I need to do a constitution saving throw as well, don't I? That is a fail. So he needs to take poison damage as well. Three. Okay, so Benny steps forward, uh, drawing a poisoned arrow and letting rip at the shadowy woman. Uh, The arrow pierces her in the shoulder and you see the black rose begin to sizzle away as the poison spreads around her body. And she shrieks in pain. I'm
4: going to hide behind this rock. That is my oath stone. <laughs> I want to, just for the listeners, here, to, this is a
3: barren landscape. And Benny has found the one piece of cover.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A few people seem to be cowering behind Tock and Tick. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> tock, and, tock and Tick cowering shadows are Rather alarming. occupied.
5: Bardle Schultz, On seeing Vanderfire in the grease, Bardle turns to him and says, oh, I've seen this trick before, old man. And he lights up his finger with a firebolt and hurls it at the nearest bounder. Nice! Just to guarantee his success, he's far (laughs) too wily to fire it at the face-tattooed ninja. This is a warning to all minor
1: villains everywhere. 14. 14 is a hit. Please roll for damage. 4 fire damage. Nice. Uh, And can you also roll a d6 as well, please? 3. Very nice. Uh, yeah, so after his little tete-a-tete with Vander, Bartle raises his hand and a mote of flame fires out between Tock and Tick, smashing into the prone bounder, and the grease laid by Vander suddenly erupts. Flames lash around the captain and the shadowy woman, dealing damage to them as well. You hear the, the screams of the woman and the grunts of the captain. The bander himself looks very, very unwell as he's laying down in greasy fire.
3: Vander turns, our fellow artist,
1: how wonderful.
5: Any other actions, Bardle? Yes, I do. Bardle says, let's not be a slouch and... Dive right in, at which point he draws both his swords, action surges, and dives at the closest bounder, who is... Deeply unlucky. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Okie okay, And then he attacks with his sword, Day Song. 24. Is a hit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please roll for damage. The sword got a name. Eight slashing damage.
1: You slash with your own sword uh, across the bounder's chest. My bonus action,
5: second attack with my offhand longsword. Nineteen. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. That is six slashing damage.
1: Bardle, please tell me the story of how you (laughs) kill the Bounder.
5: Pirouetting away from the defending adventurers, Bardle, with a flourish, slices with his main sword, eviscerating the guts of the Bounder. With his offhand, he arcs up, sending his longsword through the neck of the Bounder. Jiggles momentarily like a bone fish as Bardle pulls both blades away in an artistic flourish as guts and blood spill everywhere and the dead body of the Bounder falls with a thump and a squelch to the floor. A showman too. Augustus. Uh, Augustus is now
3: going to revert to type and he's going to bellow at the four people in front of him. Stop this madness. Lay down your arms. You cannot win bearing in mind the oath he's just given courage and self-sacrifice. He doesn't really want to take part in a slaughter at this point. Three of the remaining combatants actually on fire. How persuasive are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking the fact they're on fire might persuade them on my behalf that their chances of, of, of this being a good day are relatively slight.
2: It is the worst thing that could happen to someone. <laughs>
3: exactly. I mean, yeah, I could release the giant bees on them. <laughs> uh, give me
1: a persuasion check at disadvantage. You know, they're not really paying attention to what you're saying they're more concerned about being on fire
3: they've been double scolded ouch that would be
1: nine there's a lot of screaming coming from them Uh, the captain who's stood with his trousers on fire kind of draws a sword and gives you a dirty look
3: i i wink at him to indicate that i feel his pain
4: i mean that's what people generally take from being winked at isn't it so I think that'll go That'll go down
1: well. Well, this guy must have had his trousers on fire recently. That's what that <laughs> wink means.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> Augustus has
3: many winks. And if you saw them, you'd know what they meant. So shut up. <laughs> it's been a big day for Augustus and people keep ruining it. <laughs> oh, it's true. There's a lot of upstaging going on. <laughs> There's a lot of upstaging and Augustus is not going to stand for it. And so <laughs> Augustus is going to carry on trying to defuse this incendiary situation Ooh. by casting sleep in the direction of the Shadow Vanguard, because he thinks that if we can incapacitate the Shadow Vanguard, who might be quite badly injured here, so might have low hit points, might be able to persuade the others to, you know, basically fuck off.
1: Uh, I'm going to say that the fire has burnt through the grease really quickly. Uh, and so she, while there's kind of embers, she, you will be able to try and put her to sleep. Uh, it's 5d8. 23 unbelievably that is exactly what you needed and i mean Ah. to the exact amount of hit points she has left
3: augustus does that
1: wink so just to be clear augustus winks and she passes out
3: (laughs) (laughs) sometimes augustus's machismo is so powerful that people just pass out
1: I believe we call that a swoon, which is impressive considering she's already laying and partly on fire. (laughs) given
3: that she's a sort of evil empire villain covered in tattoos who's wearing robes trying to kill us and is on fire. The fact that I've been able
5: to reach her with my charm is quite impressive. (laughs) Bardle notices the lady swooning, gazes over to Augustus and catches his eye and nods. Very good old boy. augustus gives Bartle a wink
0: winks are free today
1: second swoon Bardle's down. <laughs>
0: down
1: don't make me start having winks as bonus actions tuck
2: tuck is gonna go and approach the a captain is going to go in front of augustus and tick will follow and flank the the uh, bounder that has not been all greased up I think they're they're both going to attack that uh, that poor Bounder who's uh, on the flank there.
1: Cool, give me attacks at advantage for both. Making a mockery of my olive branch uh, here,
2: aren't you? Beating them to death with your olive branch.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, okay, Tok <laughs> managed to roll a natural 20. So that's a crit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> for the first time ever in combat, he's actually...
1: Please roll for damage. Tok's first ever critical hit.
2: A total of 19?
1: Tock, please tell me the story of how you kill the bounder.
2: As Tock's running towards the the police captain, he just takes a a swipe with his sword, like from underneath his shield. That as he's running past the bounder, just catches him in the throat. And Tock then squares off in front of the uh, the bounder captain whilst the bounder collapses. Tick is going to move around the other side of the police captain and attack him. Tick with his uh, his own longsword is going to attack, and he rolls a twenty.
1: Is a hit. Please roll for damage.
2: And he rolls max damage. That's 10 damage. He's no talk,
4: is he? He's no talk.
1: <laughs> he's he's hit 100% of all of his shots. Tick skirts around and flanks the bounder captain, drawing the identical sword that he has uh, and plunges it into the bounder's back. Uh, you hear him kind of exhale once in pain. The captain is going to retort by spinning on his heels to attack Tick. 13 is a miss and a 14
2: is just a miss
1: so having stabbed the bounder captain he spins on his heels and slashes twice at tick who blocks both times with his shield Uh, the rest of you you're used to watching tock fight so to see an identical copy of tock fighting so effectively is a little bit jarring
2: to vander's eyes tock will seem to have maybe picked up a little bit on his training
1: So the Bounder stands up, brushes the grease and small or tiny bit of grease that's left, uh, draws his bladed club and charges at Bartle. Ah. Vander.
3: It's uneven ground, so I'm going to get Otis to support me as I begin to walk forward. Help me along, Otis. And I'm going to take one step forward.
1: Yes, Vander.
3: Talk! Use the stabbing motion! I gesture weakly with my left hand, and at that I cast Telekinetic Hand and push the Captain out of combat with talk and tick, so they get a second go. Uh,
1: that's a fifteen.
3: My spell save DC is thirteen.
2: Okay. Well, there we go. Did vander really do anything at all?
4: Benny. Benny pokes his head out from behind the rock and kind of surveys the scene and says, I'll tell you what, Augustus, because it's your big day, I'm gonna follow I'm gonna follow your guidance and stop this madness. And uh I should have a nice little sit down and lean against the rock, have a cigarette, let him get on with it.
1: Oh my god, you guys have corrupted him. <laughs>
3: For Custos, who's standing in the middle of literally burning Massacre, glances over his shoulder and gives a vague thumb up in the direction of Benny. He's he's hoping that this be- Benny is secretly a trendsetter and this is going to...
4: Let me know what you think is going to happen if they give themselves up.
3: Right, I th- I'm starting to worry that Vander's going to cut all their fingers off, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe it'll turn out better than last time.
5: Bardle. Well, Bardle's going to continue enjoying himself. I attack the bounder For 17. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. Six!
1: Please tell me the story of how you kill the Bounder.
5: So nonchalantly, as to be disrespectful, drawing his main hand sword, slicing at the neck of the Bounder, he just continues to walk as the dead Bounder falls. Then with my offhand sword, I will strike at the captain for a dirty 20. Uh, 20 is a hit. Please roll for damage. Eleven!
1: Having dispatched one bounder, wandered over to the woman, found her asleep, and left her sleeping. You then double back for the captain, using your offhand longsword to slash at his back as he focuses at tip. Now you hear another grunt of pain.
3: Sturdy, this one. Augustus. I mean, I am swimming against the tide
2: here.
1: What makes you say that, buddy? Is it that they're surrounding the only conscious person left?
2: Augustus, shall we take this one prisoner? Yes, Toc. Let's attempt to do that.
1: So how do I do a grapple? Posed strength check, so it'll be your strength against his. Tock and Tick
3: will both assist.
1: You can do it at advantage. Oh my
3: god, seven. He challenges the guard to a thumb war.
1: Augustus steps into the melee, attempting to grapple the bounder captain, but he gets fought off and pushed away, uh, and a series of expletives come his way from the Bounder Captain.
3: Uh, Augustus is really just upset, upset on the man's behalf at this point. He doesn't mind the expletives, but it just feels like such a such a breach of the kind of noble concept of his oath that basically we're now just surrounding someone and massacring them. Talk.
2: Uh, Okay, Toc and Antic are both going to team up to uh, basically, I say wrestle this guy to the ground, but it's more like a wardrobe falling on a human. (laughs) Um, Being assisted by a second wardrobe. Um,
3: (laughs) Nothing worse than when wardrobes gang up on people.
1: (laughs) Uh, The score to beat is six. Please roll a strength check at advantage.
2: As he's doing this, Tok is, again, his armour is going to have faint blue crackles over the surface, and thus adding five, he rolls a 13.
1: Tock and Tick are able to restrain the Bounder Captain, who is struggling and angrily thrashing about. Very slowly, the sheer weight and strength of Tok and Tick manage to push him to the ground. Uh, and we are going to come out of combat at this point, because you've restrained one, and the other is asleep.
3: I turn to Otis. Get the rope. Yes, Fender. Thank you, Otis. Augustus immediately has his full attention on Vander. Vander continues to hobble harmlessly in the direction of the group. He, uh, he's, Augustus is worried both about Vander's predilection for torture and his obsession with padding his kill stats. <laughs> 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 he's just cut off the fingers and then murder everyone who's here. <laughs>
5: Thank you, boys. Welcome aboard. Well fought, sir. You gentlemen are sight for sore eyes been hunting this airship for quite some time. Have you come to know of our airship? Why were you searching for us? Well, these bounders have been chasing me through the mountains like a common criminal. From everything I've heard about Mustang and his crew from Gearhead, it seems to me that you might be the very gentleman to get me out of this sticky wicket. Sadly, my recent crew were murdered by these disgusting scumbags in blue. Bardle kicks the captain on the floor.
2: Dog says, I like this one, pointing at Bardle.
1: You guys have incapacitated the bounder captain, and you have put the shadowy woman to sleep. Vanda has moved towards the woman. I see.
3: I believe she needs medical assistance, Vanda says as he hobbles over with the, uh, rather the glide of a Dementor about him.
2: Require a scalpel. I will, uh,
3: inspect. And, uh, I very, very painfully take a knee as I lean down beside her and I place a hand reassuringly on her back. Turning away from the group, I cast Mindspike. Oh, come on now. Augustus (laughs) would be super alert to this and is definitely bustling around to get over there and see what's going on. Ander says, there, there, (laughs) there, there. This is a rare form of interrogation uh, which doesn't necessarily cause pain but takes place in the unconscious mind.
5: While this is going on, Bardle pulls out from his pocket of his travelling clothes a small silver case from which he surreptitiously pulls a neatly rolled exotic cheroot which he puts into his mouth and lights.
3: Augustus would definitely join him, but he's seen Vanderkill before.
5: He catches Augustus looking at him and offers him the case. Uh, perhaps later, my friend. He puts the case back in his adventuring clothes under his plate armour.
1: Oh my god. She has failed. He has failed. Uh, so you enter her mind. Uh, you're, you're fairly used to entering people's minds over the years with your talents. This is a mind unlike any you've ever seen before. There is a circular disc that seems to be floating In the centre of a bright red electrical storm. And she is on her knees in the centre of the disc. With her head back and she's screaming up at the sky. Vanda, your psychic projection appears on the disc. Good afternoon. The Hushed One is coming.
3: The Hushed One, you say? Vanda says with interest. silkily. (laughs)
1: You will know him soon.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He comes now? No. You serve him?
0: We all serve him. Rather
3: think I'm fresh out of serving anyone, but it's beside the point. Does the harsh one go by any other name? No, not a name for your ears. You're being rather unhelpful. We can either do this here, or we can do this in the physical world. I suggest it's in your interest to tell me everything you know now, Vanda says sweetly.
1: For the hushed one, I give myself. And a blade appears in her hand, and she slits her own throat. That is upsetting. Vanda, you are back in the Standard Realm and she is laying unmoving in front of you. Before
3: you ask, Augustus, suicide, Vanda says without explaining any further. <laughs> what do you mean suicide, Vanda? She was asleep. I don't know how au you are with battles of the mind, Augustus. They are subtle in art and often result in... Sadly, the giving out of one or other. But never, Vander, I note... you. No, I rather lack the uh, predilection.
5: Hard to kill, you see. Yes. Never mind, though. I slap Vander on the back and say, That's what I hear, Mustang. Hard to kill. He may look like a wretched shell of a chamois leather of a man. This mask-wearing wretch. But no. Hard to kill. A mustang. What so? But never fear, Augustus.
3: We still have the opportunity to learn. Every day, as they say, is a school day. As he moves towards the guard.
2: Panda, do you wish for this one to be slain as well?
3: No, no. I think we've seen enough deaths by misadventure.
5: Well, let's not uh, say anything we can't take back now. I don't see why this fellow shouldn't get to live while all the others had to die. For one and one for all. All that. And with that, I pull my longsword out and hold it to his neck.
3: Augustus has got his sword out too
5: here. see no reason why. They are imperial Skun, after all. We've killed one or two of our friends. Why don't we leave them in a bush with the rest and carry on about our way?
2: Model's logic is
3: unassailable. I wish to assail it, Tok, if you'd let me try. A killing a defenseless man is rarely the only choice and never the right one.
5: I am happy to untie him. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, chief among the tools of the Inquisitor is time. There's
3: no need for us to do anything hasty when we can simply wait. I suggest we tie him up Obviously take possession of his rather valuable captain's uniform. And wait. Strip him naked and leave him here. No, no. Take him back to the sterling. I will take charge of his care. I agree that we take him back to the sterling, but I absolutely forbid you to take charge of his care. I will take charge of his care, with Toc as my assistant. We will all care for him quite right. Vander, if you move within touching distance of him... I will stick my sword into you. I promise not to touch him, Vanda says reassuringly. That's not reassuring.
2: As Augustus is uh talking about Toc helping him with his care, uh you might glance over and Tox um just checking the Shadow Vanguard is dead by also slitting his throat with his sword. And he's gonna <laughs> basically rummage uh he's gonna then yeah inspect for like any uh, any objects she has on a person.
3: Philosophical question for you, Toc. <laughs> if you're on everyone's side, whose side are you on? Yeah, exactly. A lot of Toc's sweetheart gets thrown around, and yet every episode he's there doing some pretty clandestine things.
5: Bardle watches Toc. Machine! I noticed you used that sword beautifully in battle. I didn't realise how bloody ruthless you were. I love it! Ah, look what you did to that throat, you devil.
2: Indeed. I have received instruction from Vander. I turn to Augustus and
3: nod at uh, Toc's actions and say, I didn't teach him that.
5: I was going to say you must be some sort of war automaton. Where you swing it around. I, tell you, I may be the best swordsman who has ever lived, but uh, you certainly know your way around a blade. Excellent work.
3: Augustus is merely focused on watching Vander and re- watching a bit of Bardle and even keeping an eye on top and trying to stay near the captain and protecting him on all sides while uh, these Shara murderers all skulk about him. Vander taps Augustus lightly with his cane. Relax, Augustus. I think the violence is done for now. I enjoyed your oath, by the way. Inspirational stuff. As I turn on my heel, Mr. Schultz, I look forward to inviting you onto the Stirling for further conversations. (laughs) Further conversations? The first conversation was just an absolute (laughs) blood and fire part. For the first conversation, I then say, I think time for some soup. And then as I go past, I nod and say, Captain, I make my way towards the ship.
5: (laughs) Bardel still has his sword across the neck of the bounder captain. When Vander passes, Uh, he sheaves his sword and nods to Augustus and backs away.
2: Tick will pick up the uh, the captain to uh, carry him back to the ship.
1: I really thought you were going to say Tick steps forward and slits the captain's (laughs) (laughs) throat,
2: wears his head as a hat. Hashtag Tick's a sweetheart.
1: With the fight over the Shadow Vanguard, dead.
2: Um, Did Tok find any uh, anything on the Shadow Vanguard?
1: Uh, Tok did. You you found uh, 50 gold on her person.
2: Of which he will share with the party.
1: As well as a signet ring. It has the insignia of...
2: Eren. Eren.
1: <laughs> a lightning bolt. Expendable. Boring.
2: Tok will um, share out the gold with a party and with Bardal Schultz.
0: Tremendously
1: generous of you. Tock, Tick, and Augustus oversee the carrying of the bound bounder aboard the Sterling. Benny, who's really having quite a nice, pleasant day, to be honest, uh, is just smoking a
5: cigarette as he
1: re-enters the ship.
5: Bardle stops at the bottom of the... I want to say plank. Gangway. Gangway. Yes, welcome <laughs> Gangway. to ship oh, he's, in. he's so
3: in. <laughs> We've got another nautical genius on board. So Bardle
5: stops and looks up to Vanda and asks, Permission to come aboard, Captain? He's not captain. A uh, permission granted. Fine vessel you have here, Mustang. Tell me, old dog, where did you steal her? Quite the beauty, isn't she? An interesting question, Vander.
3: Yeah. Yeah, let's come back to this one. Where did you steal her? I suggest a round of cheroots for all. And Vander smoothly takes out his case of exotic cheroots. <laughs> Bardle follows and pulls one out also. Ah. Uh, Bardle, might I ask... Looking at the cheroots, had you entered the tomb... We entered what we thought was the Tomb of the Wanderer, and there we found a document related to you and some exotic cheroots, and now it seems obvious to me that you must have been there before us.
5: Of course, you know that wasn't really the Tomb of the Wanderer, don't you? We do. Good. However, you... Also entered there, did you? Yes, I... yes, I did. I'd say it was quite an embarrassing entrance. While scurrying around the undergrowth, I found myself falling through a rather large hole. found myself in this rather strange cavern, so I started to wander around and discovered what it was. Slipped a sleeping potion to a dastardly cat, and with things poking out of its shoulders, Oopsie daisy over the fence under the it, and here I was in this room with a chest. Helped myself, dropped in a few things I didn't want, and uh, through the little portal I went, and here we are.
3: And left a tithe document behind. If it was such a, a, a doddle, my good man, how did your vital document free you from the servitude of the Empire? How how did that fall from your pockets? Ah, uh,
5: Yes, it was uh, tucked into my armour when I swapped it out for this glorious filigreed half plate that I'm wearing now. But to be honest, uh, who cares? Fuck the Empire and fuck their tithes. I'll go where I want.
2: That would be atonomically difficult.
4: Why um why are they so keen to, to get you, Arnold? What have you done? Well, it seemed like such
5: an innocuous reason, Benny. They came round, closed the pit, stopped me and the boys from rough and tumbling. Words were spoken, weapons were drawn, blood splattered, men fell. And there you are.
4: But what as I understand it, from, from the locals, you've had that pit going on for ages, months, if not years.
5: Well, I am a three-time Silver Sword champion, Benny, as I'm sure you're aware. However, apparently the closure is only temporary. Personally, I think Mayor Doxy Ableman was embarrassed by us. And as she saw us as a blight on her precious town, she wanted it shut before that wretched Tam Race Foundation came rolling into Slate Home.
3: Uh, on the plus side, after this exchange with Bardle, uh, Augustus has a name for his journal, which is going to be Travels with People and a Dog
5: I Don't Trust and Talk." And it's led to this, the fighting, the violence, me having to live in the wilderness for weeks like a common animal.
4: Something which you appear to deeply regret, It has to be said.
5: Well, what can I say, Benny? I don't revel in taking life, but it is my job. (laughs) It's my job and I love it. A a fine sentiment, Savander says, and a
3: terrible loss your upstanding group of fellow compatriots must be to you, Mr. Schultz. It does strike me, however, that you have expended a great deal of effort in finding us. That I find interesting,
5: as I suspect you may have some further reason for making our acquaintance. You cut to the quick of it, Vander Finnick. I hear you are that way inclined. I nod. Tell me, have you ever heard of the Topaz Keep? The Topaz Keep? Vander considers.
2: I believe it to be in... Slate Home, the city that we were in a week ago.
3: I believe it to be in Slate Home too, but I think Vanda has previous knowledge of Slate Home.
1: Okay, give me a history check at advantage. 13. Uh, You know the Topaz Keep to be one of the largest and most impressive buildings in Slate Home. It is home to the Museum of Natural History, and uh, it is also known for its deep vaults, wherein very valuable things are kept for very important people. Ah,
3: yes. Topaz keep a fine building, if I'm not mistaken. Exhibits are plenty, as well as valuables. I believe they have one of the only full replicas of the saber-tooth meerkat there, if I'm not mistaken. What
5: particularly takes your interest? What it does have is a vault in the basement, belonging to that skullduggerous, easily doxy ableman. Along with you fine fellows, they're going to steal everything in it. In that vault are the plans for the steamrunner, which she plans to sell to the Tamrace Foundation right out of the hands of the gnomish people who designed and built it. The Tamrace Foundation are basically stealing it from the people of Slatehome. So we are going to steal it first. I see.
3: A difficult job, Vanda says, looking up. A talented team you'll need. very expensive job, if I'm any judge. This will take some thinking about. I turn to the rest of the crew. Gentlemen, what do you think? A job for us?
2: It would be a blow to the Emperor.
5: The steamrunner returns. What say you, Augustus? I'm not certain, my friends. Bartle turns to Augustus and for a moment you see his bravado slips and he, he seems sincere. Augustus is the steamrunner, not the creation of the gnomish people. Those hard-working and industrious people of Slate home? is it not about to be stolen from them? More theft from those imperial dogs, bought and paid for with blood money. Should we not take the plans back and give them to the people who worked so hard to build them in the first place?
4: Why aren't you at? Uh, why aren't you at Greta's door, telling her this story and getting her to go and steal Steamrunner uh, blueprints? Seems like the kind of thing she'd be right interested in. I don't trust
5: Gearhead. I'll take her money, fine. But trust, I'm afraid
4: not. <laughs> you trust Vander.
5: Believe it or not, Benny, the few times I've heard Gearhead speaking positively about anyone, she has inevitably been talking about her Mustang. You're correct to place your faith in our little band. Mr. Schultz, we will of course
3: consider your generous offer, as well as you understand our part
5: in it. There may, of course, be a price. You understand that, yes? Of course. No one expects anyone to do anything for nothing. After all, here I stand in my beautiful armour, with the beautiful day song at my hip. I need nothing more. Whatever you find in there is yours to do with as you wish. With one proviso. The plans of the steam runner are given back to the people who created them. The gnomes of Slatehome. And not the Tamrace Foundation. A job that requires chaos and disorder, you say?
3: Feels like something that's right up our street, I think.
2: I find this to be acceptable.
4: We'll take some planning, of course. When are the the blueprints due to be handed over?
5: I do believe they're being handed over at the Summer Solstice Festival. So that would be hmm, nine days, Benny. Nine days and a captain's uniform to plan.
3: Vanda takes a long puff on his cheroot. Vanda? Yes, Toc?
2: Do we not also possess two Bounder's uniforms that we took from the steam runner?
3: We do indeed, Toc. We do
2: indeed. Also a silver medallion from the Shadow Vanguard we killed.
3: We have that too, and a number of other items that I suspect may be of use. What we don't yet have is a burning consensus. I see this as a chance to show, show revolution and a chance to turn a profit. Though, of course, that isn't my primary motive. Found a genuflex to no one in particular. What say you, Benny, he of new abilities and Augustus, noble, wonderful Augustus?
4: Benny has a, a sit down and a bit of a, bit of a ponder, eventually says, probably does seem like the thing to do, doesn't it? I think um, anything that might upset the Tamrace Foundation is probably a, a thing that I'd like. Vander winks.
1: <laughs> everyone stop fucking winking roguishly. <laughs> hasn't Vander only really got one
4: eye?
3: <laughs> We've been here before. How does the one-eyed <laughs> yeah. man wink again? Vander <laughs>
1: opens and closes his eye
3: <laughs> and no one knows what it means. <laughs> I make no promise to participate in this. I think we should... I think we should see what we can gain from this captain, and as I am a unwilling to kill a defenceless man, a question then arises about what we would do with him if we were to go and carry out this plan, whereas we could simply leave him behind, sail away in the airship, and be gone before anyone could catch us, but resolving the problem of what to do with him, but also changing our location and therefore making it impossible to stay in Slate Home. An oath is a serious thing, Augustus. I do understand that Yes, you... and you notice, Vander, it didn't include anything about robberies and heists. Nor did it preclude them, but I guess that's semantics. Perhaps I should add a line. <laughs> <laughs> I think one oath a day is quite enough for anyone. Yes. Though I do understand you are now under certain obligations... And I will, of course, factor those into the planning. How's that shipmate? mate? And a gnarled hand comes out. Augustus, who's pretty convinced that Vanda murdered a sleeping woman about half an hour ago, gives Vanda an extremely steely gaze. Augustus does not head for his cabin. He heads for wherever the captain is, because he's now going to have to stand guard over this guy, isn't he?
1: You head down to the storage area uh, at the bottom of the ship near where Tox workshop is.
3: Augustus will
1: now... Keep constant vigil on the door. With Bardell Schultz welcomed aboard the Sterling, Augustus delves into the bowels of the ship with the captured captain, and the rest of you take a seat in the galley.
4: Come and sure. come and take your weight off then, Bardell. We'll see if you can find you something to eat. If will up something to eat. There's some um there's some Quez- steaks kicking about somewhere. I'll see what I can find.
5: Marvellous. Thank you, Benny. Yes, I am tired. All that slaying takes it out of a man.
3: Come, Mister Schultz. There's a seat for you by the hearth. Vander <laughs> says, taking a seat painfully himself. Thank you, Mustang. You need a hand, old boy? No, no. Just the regular excruciating pain of existence. Vander winces and reclines into his chair whilst taking a cheroot from a case.
4: He doesn't like to bring it up, but you know, if pushed, he will. He will mention the uh, excruciating pain of existence.
3: Vander takes a long drag on his cheroot and doesn't respond.
4: Bardle sits down and joins the cherooting. Well, this is nice, isn't it? It's It's quite nice to have um, someone new on the boat. How long were you out in the elements there, Bardle?
5: It felt like years, Benny, but I feel it was only a couple of weeks, perhaps. Not my natural environment, I must say. Far more used to this kind of a place, funnily enough. Reminds me of
3: older days. It's a pretty ship, isn't it? Says Vander. It
5: is. It is. But, uh... Where I'm from, they don't always fly, I must be honest. They uh, rock on the
4: old waves, like the old-fashioned way.
5: But um, this is quite the fancy vessel indeed.
4: And there's a, there's a good story about how, uh, how Vander came about it in there. Van go on, tell him the story of how you came about the airship.
5: Do, Mustang, do.
3: Tell me. Well, gentlemen, I was just thinking of the fact that the ship is powered by our first adventure, is it not, Benny, my light-fingered friend?
4: Oh, that was answering a question with a question.
3: I prefer the term statement, <laughs> says Vander.
4: Well, welcome aboard, Bartle. You'll find it's uh, very much like this all the time.
5: I was going to say, not all of uh, many questions, not so many answers, but that's okay. We're all entitled to our secrets and our past.
4: Oh, don't encourage him.
2: Vanda is inclined to speak the truth after consuming poisonous alcohol distillates.
3: I can hold my drink, thank you very much, Toc.
2: He has held many drinks. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Factually correct. It's funny you should say that, Toc, because I was thinking that perhaps we should throw a few down and uh, really get to know one another the old-fashioned way.
3: Svanda starts to painfully rise. I will check down in the galley lower depths to see if there aren't some vintages that would be appropriate for the occasion i'll also check on the captain too i'll be back in one moment
4: as long as it's not creme de month ah we'll be we'll all be happy have you tried that bad oh well, yeah living in slate home you must have
5: many many nights benny drunk with those glorious gnomes it is a uh rather unhappy mistress in the morning, I must say. But uh, by around about (laughs) afternoon, the old head clears and ready to go again.
3: Vanda totters down the stairs to the lower decks of the ship, calling over his shoulder, Try the calamari soup. It never goes off, you know. Later on that evening, you're going to find Vanda does visit, sees you there. Augustus, I trust the captain is well. Augustus's steely gaze appears still to be in place. Excellent, excellent, then I'll be on my way. So as I turn, I say, the fight against the Empire has to start somewhere, you know. With plans for a steam runner, seems a small blow to strike. From small embers, fires
1: burn. And with the crew unsure of what the future holds, but a heist and a chance to damage the Empire on the table, And with the crew of the Sterling chatting into the night comparing battle scars, let's end it there.
5: As Bardell was wandering around the ship, uh, makes his way through the gallery, he could swear, from a fleeting moment, he's caught the back of a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't like to talk about the turtle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he lost himself.
5: Impossible. The boys never said anything. Servants or chefs? It's been my
2: imagination. he
3: forgot Rosalind again. Oh, oh, <laughs> We're like the mum from Home Alone. Rosalind oh,
0: again. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company.